Grant, O Lord, that thy word only may be spoken and thy word only may be received. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, let her alone, let her keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you will always have with you, but you do not always have me. My wife Catherine's maternal grandmother is one of my more favorite people in this world. She was in one of the first classes of nursing students at Duke University and ended her career by being a professor of nursing at the same university. She is an extremely devout and loving Christian lady. She's been active in churches around the world as she traveled with her military husband through several wars and conflicts. She was one of the first women in North Carolina allowed to serve as deacon at her Baptist church in Durham. She has served as a missionary to foreign lands, taught untold Sunday school classes, reads the Bible with vigor and her devotionals daily. She is extremely learned in matters of faith. And as you might guess, our conversations don't run long before they turn to matters of faith and religion. And this past week, Rosie and I, Rosie being way over 90 years old, and I were sitting at the kitchen table, and she shared memories of her trip to the Holy Land, to Jerusalem. She went to Jerusalem one year just after Christmas, and she was very excited to go there. She lived in Germany at the time, and she was thrilled with the celebration of Christmas in the land that gave us both the Advent wreath and the Christmas tree. It was a magical world for her. So she was expecting to find at the Church of the Nativity similar similar decor, garland and holly and ivy, yuletide logs, or perhaps a magical Victorian Christmas from her time in England. Wonderful Christmas traditions surrounding this rustic cave wherein the Savior of the world was born. But when she arrived at the Church of the Nativity, she found the opposite. None of the visions in her mind were there. Rather, she found a gold and silver gilded sanctuary and altar and a large star marking the spot of the birth of our Lord. So instead of finding a rustic, timeless cave decorated with Christmas, with garland and trees and yuletide logs and tinsel, she found a glimmery sanctuary with no tree, no garland. She told me it was one of the most disappointing things she'd ever seen. She said the church of the the nativity was nothing more than preacher's glitter. In other words, she reckoned it to be a huge waste of money and effort that distorted and ruined the place of Jesus' birth. And with her being a very dedicated, very devout Baptist, I understood what she meant and I understood her disappointment. So our discussion turned to sacramental theology. The belief that Jesus is really and truly present in the sacraments of the church. And so in a real way, we believe we meet Jesus here in the church at the altar rail. 
So in those places, no expense is spared and people that hold sacramental faith many times give very generous gifts offered to God to make those places truly holy and truly special by highlighting, marking where heaven and earth touch during the Eucharist. These are the places where heaven and earth touch. These are the places where we have Jesus with us. We agreed to disagree about sacramental theology and what churches should look like, what Christmas should look like, but we both agreed that we should give our best and our first to God, which is what this morning's gospel lesson explores. St. John contrasts two people, Mary and Judas. Both Mary and Judas are committed to Jesus in one way or another. Both have been following him during his public ministry. St. John tells us about Judas, but Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was to betray him, said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to take what was put into it. So in three verses, we learn a tremendous amount about Judas. Judas held the money bag, the money box, the purse. Judas was Jesus's treasurer, a relatively important job. Judas kept all the money that they had or the money that they were given or the money they collected and he dispersed that money in trust to pay debts, to care for the poor and other needs of the ministry. Trust had to be involved in that relationship. He must have been seen as a competent person, a responsible person, a devout person. Judas exhibited some sense of authority and trustworthiness in order to carry and be in charge of the apostle's purse. Judas was seen as a man worthy to honor with this burden. But yet, we learn from St. John that despite the trust Judas has given, despite his competency, despite his trustworthiness, he was a thief. Thief. He took from Jesus and the other apostles. He stole what the faithful had given to Jesus for his own ends. He took from the poor. He used Jesus for his gain. We learn another thing that he had no concern for the poor at all. Now this is a thing that was a central thread to the ministry of Jesus. In Luke's fourth chapter, 18th verse, which we read two Sundays before Lent began, Jesus says in the midst of the synagogue from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captive and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So not only was Judas a thief, he had no interest in what Jesus was doing. So when meeting Jesus, perhaps it's fair to say that Judas was disappointed that their visions differed, and Judas saw the opportunity to take and use Jesus to his own personal ends, self-serving ends. Now in contrast to Judas, we also have in the story Mary. Mary 
does a very odd thing this morning. A thing so personal, so intimate, that it is uncomfortable to many to listen to or to read. Mary took a pound of costly ointment of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the ointment. So two noteworthy things here. Mary takes something that's worth a month's wages for most people, a thing that is of great value, and smears it on the feet of Jesus. Now feet were and still are generally not parts of our body that we would spend a month's wages on. Nor are they a part of our body that we allow willingly others to touch. When Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, it is seen as an act of humiliation. It's an astonishing thing to those whose feet are washed. And here we have Mary anointing Jesus' feet with a very expensive, exotic, rare fragrance. But Mary just doesn't stop there. She goes farther. She wipes the excess ointment off with her hair. Now imagine that for a a moment. By any stretch of the imagination, Mary wiping Jesus' feet with her hair is an act that is filled to overflowing with passion and with love. It's an act of total giving, of becoming vulnerable in front of the others in that room. It is a throwing caution to the wind. Here we see Mary giving to Jesus wholly and without care or without concern for what others think. She gives deeply of herself and of her wealth. It is a total and complete giving, body and soul. It's fair to say that all of the apostles and close friends of Jesus in that room knew that things were coming to an end in one way or the other. Mary reacts in an outpouring of self, a passionate and without care outpouring of love, adoration, and affection. Judas, however, reacts to both the nearing end of Jesus' ministry, ending in a way that he had not wanted it to or foreseen, and Mary's sacrificial love. He reacts to these two things with scorn and with thievery. Judas's concern is with himself and what he stands to gain. So St. John is deliberate this morning, brothers and sisters, in this contrast. He forces us to think about our own reaction to Jesus, to Jesus' life, to Jesus' ministry, and to his passion, death, and resurrection. John forces us to ask ourselves to look at our souls and ask, are we like Judas? irritated, astonished by Mary's sacrificial acts and her own passion towards Jesus? Do we look to Jesus for personal selfish gain? Do we look at Jesus and only see what he can give to us? Do we look at Jesus as through the eyes of a thief? Or are we like Mary? giving wholly and deeply of our passion and of our love and of our adoration and of our possessions? Do we love Jesus with the entirety of our beings, throwing caution to the wind and not caring what anyone may think? 
Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, let us love Jesus with our whole hearts, with our whole beings. Brothers and sisters, let us throw caution to the wind. Let us love Jesus and give to Jesus completely body and soul. Let us be as Mary and not as Judas. Let our love for God and Jesus Christ be shown in our care for the poor and in our care for our church and in our care of one another. As we approach this most holy week, let this love show forth also in our dedication to the worship and adoration of God in Jesus. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.